Welcome to the Compassionate Capitalist Radio Show with host Karen Rands. A compassionate capitalist is someone who invests their money into entrepreneur endeavors to bring innovation to the market and create wealth for all those involved. Karen shares insights and best practices for entrepreneurs to succeed and investors to share in that success without all the risks. And now... Welcome back to the Compassionate Capitalist Show. I'm Karen, and I'm happy to have you tune in again today. Uh, I, the topic that we have today is something that um, a lot of times entrepreneurs fear, and um, uh, investors are hungry for, but it becomes something that is a challenge on both sides. But it is necessary – I feel like I'm doing a riddle. It is necessary to, uh, to ensure that the money that is invested and even the direction and potential success of the entrepreneur that he has a passion for, he or she has a passion for their own success of the dream and the vision that they have for their business, it's, it's a critical piece of all of that when it comes to self-assessment. And under knowing that you have um, checked the boxes, there's no skeletons in the closet that are going to derail the business, things you haven't anticipated, as well, uh, and that's what an investor is looking for. And, of course, what I'm talking about is due diligence. And I can tell you from personal experience, every time that I have in my investments um, let my emotions rule rather than my objective, you know, want to really uncover the, the facts, you know, the objective uh, assessment of an opportunity, I've lost money. Or it hasn't yet lost money, but the idea that it's actually going to make money is so far remote that, you know, that's the case. And then when I talk to investors, the ones now, – now when it comes to due diligence, there's some that are really cut and dried. You can get an accountant to look at the books, make sure that they're documenting things properly and accounting for them properly, and they're paying their taxes like they're supposed to, and they're paying their payroll taxes, which that could be, you know, it seems like a really obvious thing, but sometimes um, I've even seen uh, investor groups and investment funds not check those boxes, but that's part of that due diligence. You can't take anything for granted. You can get a lawyer that looks at it to make sure the intellectual property is properly protected as they claim or that there's the proper documents in place to protect the corporate interests when it comes to employee agreements, um, your the nature of the agreements with vendors. You know, you could do all of that kind of uh, black and white, what I call black and white dotting of I's and crossing of T's. But there's this other side of it that, um, you know, one of the, when I wrote my book, Inside Secrets to Angel Investing, it was, um, a, it's a key piece of it. When you talk to people that, that are, have been involved in angel investing for a long time, they always say, well, you have to be a part of a team. That's why you join a network. So you have other people, and the implication is because then you have other diverse knowledge within a group that will have insights into aspects of a deal, not that cut and dry black and white part of it that I talked about, but the, the things that are sort of, of intangible because it's based on knowledge, insight, and experience on an industry, a marketplace, competition, potential acquirers, 
all those kind of things are become part of it. And you need that knowledge of a diverse group of people. But in the nature of the world that we're in now, where people can invest in deals outside of an angel investor group, because they can invest in all of these things that are being offered into the marketplace through um, the jobs act. So interstate, Reg CF, 506C, Reg A+, where they have potential to invest them on their own, or just because they find a deal that somebody referred to them, their accountant referred to them, you know, they may want to look at it, and they don't necessarily want to go through the whole process of getting a big team together of different diverse. They don't have friends. They're not sure if they want to do all that stuff. Where do they go? It's a problem. And even VCs, whenever you talk about VCs, if you're an entrepreneur listening right now and you see VCs and they go, they only do health or they only do this or they only do these certain kinds of stuff, it's because internally they don't have the expertise in that industry or that marketplace. So when I was down at a family office um, summit event, I met a representative from the company that we're going to talk about today, Inquire of. And I said, wow, this is really amazing. This is something that I know there is a need for in the marketplace. I, in fact, need it. My investors that I help with due diligence needs it. This is something, if this really works the way you guys have described it to me, this is going to really change the tra- trajectory, potentially, of, I think, now this is a bold statement, I think, the amount, the odds of when, well, it's one, may, some deals may not get money, so therefore bad investments won't get in money. And in ergo, that means that you should make more money if this becomes something that is ubiquitous across the industry. And so when I had an opportunity to speak to the founder and CEO, Kyle Sales, who's my guest today, I was like, this is, this is um, really something fascinating, and I want to learn the story. I want to share your story. I want to share with your, what your company does, the value it brings to the marketplace, to my audience on the Compassionate Capitalist podcast show because my goal, the whole reason why I started the Compassionate Capitalist movement is to get more money into the market, to bring more innovation to the market through entrepreneur endeavors that are worthy of investment and create more jobs and strengthen our economy so that we have an ever-growing economy because good companies can get the money they need to grow and succeed, and people don't have to assume all the risks of being the entrepreneur. They can invest in those worthy entrepreneurs instead and make more money than they could in their traditional 401ks. And so with that, I'm going to give you a, bit, a little bit of an introduction here to Kyle, but I want he's, he's waiting patiently on the sidelines here, so <laughs> welcome, Kyle. I'm going to let you say hello, and then I'm going to Toot your horn a little bit for you. Sure, sure. No, nope, thank you. It was uh, it was great to run into you at the family office event. Uh, it's been fun to get to know you, and I'm excited to do the show. So thanks for having me on. Okay, great. So Kyle, Kyle, not so much, not too much of a surprise as you would guess, as somebody that has this kind of experience to develop this kind of a solution. He started his career as an R and D engineer. He had been, he was, um, you know, really interested in how products go to market, not just how you make them and do them, but but the whole process of all of that. Uh, he has um, worked directly within private equity and been involved in a multi-billion-dollar acquisition, where they, within that process, they went through all of this due diligence of asking questions and trying to to discover 
you know, validating the assumptions that are being made. Um, that company, one of the, that company was an, was an e-fuel company that um, was, uh, it doesn't actually say what it is, I guess. Oh, it's a, it, was a, it was a fleet and payment solutions company. I, I think I might, you'll probably correct me in a second here. There. And then um, <laughs> I also had spent some time as an advisor and mentor in Launch Lab Capital, which was um, a dream team of venture entrepreneurs working to forge great businesses with great ideas, right? So they brought a lot of cre- uh, creativity to the operation, to the funding, to the industrial design, and tapping into their information expert and access. So he's sat on both sides of the, of the uh, table. And then after spending 18 months in scaling production of a consumer product in China, he moved to Scotland to get his MBA, and has been sitting at this intersection of technology, marketing, strategy, and executive roles ever since until he saw the opportunity and the need and um, just the nature of how the market was changing to come up with this due diligence solution um, that we're going to talk about today. And so with a bit of that brief introduction here, uh, talk, tell, us, tell our audience about how you realized there was an opportunity. What was it from your background, or what was there was a what was the the aha moment that you said I need to direct my resources, knowledge, and and money towards starting Inquire of? Yeah, sure, happy to do it. Uh, so a couple of things. I think as you mentioned in my background, I had the opportunity to work for several private equity backed companies or several private equity acquired companies. Um, and so just being able to go through the process, so the M&A process, uh, whereas the company who is being acquired, you put together your pitch book, uh, you put together all your projections and really, you know, tell your story in the rosiest possible way because you, you want to get acquired uh, and you want to maximize the valuation of that acquisition. And so sitting at the table across from uh, private equity investors who are very smart, uh, have big teams of analysts running spreadsheets. I mean, they're even updating the spreadsheets live as you're answering questions, but sort of knowing that there's three or four questions if they answered or if they asked them, we wouldn't have a really good defense, right? Like there's a few skeletons in the closet or a few places where your story's a bit weak, uh, and those questions were never asked, uh, which was kind of shocking. But then because those questions weren't asked, once we were acquired and under new ownership, all of those weaknesses and skeletons came to light at some point, right? Mm-hmm. So that created headaches, headaches for the acquirer, created headaches for us as a leadership team on how do we deal with these things. Uh, it created, you know, cascading <coughs> effects back down to culture and the company. And so really wanting to help people avoid those situations. Uh, and then my co-founder, a guy named Dave Meyer, uh, he has been involved in the private equity space for a couple of decades. In the last 12 years, he's run a boutique firm uh, that does what Inquire of does, but in a very white glove uh, manner. So they work with billion-dollar funds. Uh, he's used to kind of a very uh, uh, expensive service model, and we said, look, we should be able to figure out a way to use technology to democratize access to expertise and help people people make better decisions and make those decisions cheaper and faster. Uh, and so that's really what drove us to found Inquire of. Okay, so on that M and A aspect of it, because 
Uh, my company works. My husband works for a company that seems to be acquiring companies every year. He has been in a company mm-hmm. that got acquired. I've been on the sidelines with companies that got acquired, and there always seems to be those skeletons in the closet, like that you talked about. And I, and I've often wondered when I've I've heard of the stories, I've seen them. So I'm like, well, these guys are kind of in the business of acquiring companies. How come they don't know? to look for that stuff or check that box. Is there a, yeah. is there a, why do you think that is? Um, I think that part of the reason is by and large, particularly in larger funds, uh, although very well educated, very bright people from great universities, they haven't operated a company, right? Uh, so it's one thing to look at the uh, investment perspective to understand macro trends uh, in the, you know, macroeconomic trends in the industry and what's happening, how, how rapidly is it growing or consolidating. Um, but, you know, you just haven't been in the executive seat operating the company, pulling the levers, understanding what it means when we come in and, you know, change cost, cost structure. Like, okay, great, that's great for EBITDA, but that demoralizes people, right? Uh, or where do we look for the skeletons? And so I think uh, the ability to speak with industry operators uh, from the same industry. So a lot of the people we connect our clients with uh, are recently retired from the industry that they're investing in. So they can speak very candidly. Hey, this target acquisition company is telling you, you know, these five things are going to fuel their growth over the next five to seven years. But two of those things I would really dig in on. Like I would question if they can execute. I would question if there's actually a there there. Uh, so that just helps them, ha- like, you know, they don't know what they don't know. Uh, and so bringing the right person in to ask the right questions really changes the paradigm. Okay, so let's put a pin in that for a second because I want to talk about how you helped solve that problem to a certain degree. But yep. um, let's go into, so, you know, you had, you your co-founder was doing this in the traditional way, a firm that, that will go out and heavy lifting and do everything manually. How did you figure out how to automate that to come up with this, I guess, a SaaS-based solution for doing that? I know you, you it, it, we talked, uh, we inquire of was, has some uh, proprietary specialized search algorithms that it uses that find this expertise, but let's just talk about the value proposition of Inquire of to private equity funds, for example. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So um, when my co-founder came to me, he said, look, my business is doing really well. It's growing. Uh, but every time I add a client, I have to hire an employee to support that client. Uh, and, my, and the role that I was in at the time, I was um, managing a product team that was building uh, massive infrastructure for web crawling. Uh, to pull back information on behalf of Fortune 100 clients. And I said, look, you can use, you know, there's there's technology infrastructure that you can use to automate all the work that your people are doing, not all of it, but, you know, 80, 90% of it, and let them focus on the actual high-touch, high-value pieces instead of data aggregation. And so uh, that's what we did. We built uh, a tool uh, and a platform that uh, really automates a lot of the data collection and aggregation and cleanup um, and then puts it into a searchable index where now our private equity uh, family office, venture, seed investor, like across the spectrum, can log in and say, I'm, I want to talk to someone that has these skills, this seniority level, understands this industry, and our algorithms will start to match them with the right people, uh, bring back results, and then they can kind of you know, vet them quickly through our portal 
and then hit a button and contact that person and begin a relationship for a conversation. Okay. So, uh, and so how do you find your experts? Yep. We've got a variety of ways of finding the experts. So, uh, we build relationships with uh, different industry groups where we know that there's leaders in those spaces. Uh, we've got tools that can crawl the Internet and look for press releases or any kind of information change around uh, companies where, you know, there's an announcement that a CEO is retiring. Um, we say, oh, this person, you know, they've spent 20 years in this space. They would be great for us uh, to have as an expert in our platform because they deeply know, you know, whichever space they just came out of. Um, obviously, we can uh, you know look through LinkedIn profiles. We do a lot of marketing uh, just when when we're looking to fill kind of gaps in different industries or verticals. Uh, so we we can aggregate from a lot of different places um, and then referrals actually. So we'll, we just had a client use one of our experts. They had a really great uh, couple of phone conversations that were super helpful. And the expert said, "Look, actually, you need to know these three other people in the industry." Uh, they made that referral for us. Those three other people in the industry joined our platform and are now supporting that client as well. So uh, we've kind of got a multifaceted approach to finding experts. That's cool. So, yeah, I, makes me, I, it's interesting because one of the advice or, I guess, tenants that I have, I, I, there was a new angel group that was forming up out of the Tampa area, and they got on the phone to me uh, with me to sort of, you know, gauge uh, what was the one thing I would advise, like I say, the number one thing for an angel group to um, think about or know about before they decide to make an investment. And it comes down to the, the, the short answer is how are they going to exit, right? Because that's the only way you get your return on investment. The long answer was, well, all of you in your, uh, these were, a lot of them were retired executives. You all have relationships in the industries that you were in. You need to right. make sure that you build this Rolodex of your angel group of who else can you go to within those industries that are most current in the information to know who's moving, what's being bought, what's the trends in the industry. So they, if you look out for this company and you're trying to skate to the puck, where is that puck going to be three years from now? And is there going to be an opportunity within the, that company, that sector, that stuff that they're on track to be acquired? Right. And so this is something yep. that they had to put together that was imprecise, not, you know, everything that it sounds like you have provided a much broader reach of out to the to the marketplace of those kind of experts, but in a much more formalized way in that they can engage to provide their expertise and People can engage them to get the expertise that they need, and it's right there. They don't have to guess or who or him and her. And I think that was one of the value propositions I saw on your website. And let me just say that right now while people are listening. Go and learn more about this at Inquire Of. So it's Inquire just like you think it is, I-N-Q-U-I-R-E-O-F.com. And they even have a How It Works tab on there. A little video that you can watch, and it and it'll explain a lot of this. But um, so you know that was part of what I saw was the value proposition when I was was looking over your materials. In that it it real you save time and money to mm-hmm. the folks that hire you, the firms, the the venture funds that hire you, the private equity funds that hire you, 
And I thought of that as because, well, they don't, they're not having all these people on their payroll or they don't have to go hire. I mean, you have an example on your website of hiring an intermediaries that are going to go do the research and it takes them two weeks to right. go gather up their own stuff. And there's no really t- way to validate, validate it, you know, if it's actually current, right? And yeah. you have all of that. Yep. So talk a little bit yep. about that particular value proposition of, of the feedback you've gotten from your clients on how you're saving them time and money. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the thing that people really appreciate about our offering is, is the speed, right? So we talk about getting people to confidence faster. And I really liked what you said at the intro to your, uh, the podcast where, you know, you and your personal mission are trying to help get more capital into the market, but not just get it into the market, but put it into the right investments that are wealth creating. And so one thing that, I mean, I would say the majority of what we do is help people say no to deals faster, right? Because people see so many deals in a given month, in a given year, but they're only going to put money in a small handful of deals. And you don't want to be saddled with putting capital into a deal that's going to be a dud or, and those duds aren't just financial duds, particularly for larger funds. Those are, you know, uh, 80% of the time that they spend uh, managing their portfolio companies is on that one bad deal that they wish they didn't do. Uh, <laughs> so we really help people get confident fast and either invest or walk away. Uh, so that's one. The other one is we have a different model than, you know, there are expert networks that you can pay for. Uh, we call them like the traditional analog model. Um, but you're going to work through a human intermediary. There's a lot of email back and forth. Um, and time is wasted, and you have to prepay a large sum of money for kind of call credits and then burn those down. So we save people money by we say, look, you don't have to prepay for $50,000 worth of calls. Just uh, use us on, like, as, just pay per call, uh, and we will win your business over and over and over because you're going to get value from those calls, and you'll keep coming back. Uh, and so that's, that's um, the approach that we take. One other thing uh, that I should note, too, uh, is, you know, we, we use the word experts, and sometimes people hear consultants, uh, but really the, <laughs> the value of these calls is they're people who are just really knowledgeable in any given industry, any given vertical, any given niche. Uh, and so they're not looking to upsell you uh, on a, an engagement or, or a contract, right? Like you get on the phone. They charge two, three hundred dollars for a one-hour call. Uh, you ask all your questions. They give you all the information that they can, uh, and then you get off the call and go about your merry way. Or you can build a relationship with them. Uh, but uh, we've actually used our own service internally. We were trying to figure out how to build some machine learning algorithms. So our CTO found other CTOs and uh, AI machine learning experts on our platform, and he it was hilarious. He was mind blown. He's like, what? I just talked to three people. I spent about $600, and no one tried to, like, convince me to do a long-term consulting engagement. They were just helpful industry people that were like, nope, here's what I know. Here's what I've learned. Here's what I would try. Here's what I would avoid, uh, and it saved us so much time, so much heartache, uh, and so that's the type of engagement that we're seeing happening on our platform. That's great. That's like um... – I guess there's this ad like a, it's just coffee. What's that ad on TV? It's like a dating thing where you just it's just lunch, right? So this is okay. It's just a call where people because okay, my experience with experts has been that they like sharing their expertise, particularly if they're yeah. employed someplace or they're 
retired or they're, you know, something like that, you know, they're, they just like, you know, paying it forward in a way, but they're also getting paid, right? Because you have a commonality in that particular situation. You know, it was um, a technical person talking to a technical person and they enjoy that, right? And so they're getting paid for doing something that they enjoy as well. So you mentioned earlier before we got on the show that, um, you're also seeing doors open up within the example of what you just described. Corporate corporations is using it as a way to validate R and D that they're doing, or to understand directions or something that may not know internal. And it yep. also, I guess, for the same reasons, is a cost-effective way for them to get access to that expertise. So, talk a little bit about the value proposition for corporations. Yeah. So. Um... The value prop is very similar. You're, you know, it's not it's not an investor doing diligence, uh, but it is still people trying to make a better decision, and they know they don't have enough information. Uh, and so, it's an opportunity for you know groups within corporations before they invest months and months of time and uh, capital and human energy in a project uh, or an initiative uh, to reach out to other people who have done something similar and could potentially. Uh, expedite their process and save them a lot of heartburn. Uh, and so the way we got into working with corporations, uh, we're based out of Boise, Idaho. Uh, there's a couple of large companies headquartered here that our CTO attends monthly CTO roundtables with, uh, and they were asking, like, well, could we use your platform to, you know, speed up our decision-making process, get smarter, and get to confidence faster? Uh, so they just tried it. We let them try it for free. They just paid the experts. They didn't pay us. Uh, and now they're coming to us saying, well, we want to be a client. How can we use the platform? Uh, and we're starting to expand uh, that service out. So it's been really fun to see. Uh, and one of the missions, like, uh, so we're, a, I guess you would call Inquire of a mission-driven company where we have very um, strong feelings about people don't make great decisions often. Uh, and so one of the things mm-hmm. we want to do is exist to help people make better decisions because we think better decisions benefit not just, you know, the investor or the corporation, but it, inve- it benefits all the employees of that company. It invests the clients, it inv- uh, or it benefits the uh, you know the suppliers, the vendors. If people are making better decisions, it's um, uh, the wealth is spread around, so to speak. And so that's one of the things we're really excited about. So is it something as um, so like there used to be a uh, when I was in IBM, we would go through you know strategies or we'd try to do this. Um, best use or, you know, the, the, the risk analysis of, and, and choosing this particular thing we were going to focus resources on versus, you know, p- product A versus product B versus product C kind of stuff. So is that sort of where you help with the, just really on the technical side, do you have folks that help with the financial analysis of of something or is when it comes to those, it's yep. still sort of internal to this gathering kind of industry direction stuff. Yeah. So kind of all of the above, I'd say the one that we were least likely to be helpful on is, you know, the actual financial analysis kind of running spreadsheets. Um, but most, most corporations uh, have that and certainly private equity venture investors have that as well. Uh, but what we do is we, we bring uh, to bear the knowledge of people that have been in the same or similar industry uh, who have made similar decisions, uh, who understand the industry dynamics uh, and have an unbiased perspective, right? Because as you're in those meetings, 
you know, there's internal politics, there's internal sort of, uh, you know, wanting to defend your own position or, uh, you know, even be uh, an antagonist against other people's decisions, uh, whereas a third party that has the same market information can come and, and really speak truth uh, and clarity into those situations. So we see it happen, um, and actually private equity investors are starting to use our service uh, for more strategic decisions in their portfolio companies. Once they've made the acquisition, as their leadership team is going through annual planning, uh, they're reaching out to experts to make sure that they're making the best decisions um, through that process. So, yeah, it can cover uh, a whole host of decision types. Okay, so kind of like on that example of the private equity portfolio or even a venture capital portfolio um, that says, okay, we're, we've got all these media companies or we've got these biomed mm-hmm. or artificial intelligence. Here's a direction that some of these industries or heroes where there's a, a conjoining of different industries where they might overlap. Let's target companies in that sector so we can benefit from our, you know, that cross that, that overlap of industries or something like that. So that kind of uh, right. analysis. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah, wow. Absolutely. That's absolutely. Yeah. So as private equity companies, venture funds uh, are meeting with their portfolio companies and they're saying, look, do we, you know, is, is, should we make a strategic decision to go down this new product path in the industry? Should we acquire a competitor? Uh, should we partner with somebody? Those kinds of decisions um, are, are very much uh, ripe for the input of industry experts, uh, former operators, people that just really have a strong perspective because they've been in the space. Yeah. I've always thought it was interesting when I see business plans and I'm, a, I'm either because I'm judging or I'm helping a company along and some of them will have SWOT analysis in them and some of them won't. And for those listening that might not know what that means, that's strength, weakness, opportunities, threats, and a kind of a quadrant and then there's usually a narrative that goes with it, and it's it's a really nice way. I don't know that it's always appropriate for an invest in a business plan, just because it's it, sometimes it's sort of like I feel like it's kind of a oh somebody said I should put a SWOT analysis in here, so they just stick it in there, and yeah. it's not really yeah. what it's what it's not. It's really something like we did. Well, I talked about with corporations decide whether they're going to invest in you know, the return on investment potential for different products they may be bringing out, it's really for internal digestion of, you know, how do we focus on? So somebody's making a business decision about investing in something or de- or, or de-investing in a sector or something like that, that kind of a thing. So when you go beyond an, uh, an hour call, because that's, you know, I mean, I guess you could kind of hit high points on that. Is that sort of another level that, potential customers or subscribers, the investors on that side of it would be able to get from your ex- experts mm-hmm. on this, but do something like that. Yeah, absolutely. So that's one of the differentiators uh, of our approach. Uh, traditionally, the, the, the traditional analog expert networks are very proprietary in access to experts uh, because they get paid uh, in the per call model. Um, and so they want to maximize the number of calls that are happening uh, where we make a direct connection to the expert and say, have as many calls as you'd like, uh, do it through our platform. Uh, but if there's a broader relationship to be had, then build that relationship and build your bench of expertise because we trust that if we can help people make those relationships and build them deeply, they'll keep coming back to our platform because they want to find more, right? Um, and so, yeah, we are very transparent in whom you're speaking with and uh, open to 
that relationship going in whatever path. So we, we've seen uh, historically, we've seen people, you know, have a one-hour call and that's it, have a handful of one-hour calls. But we've also seen people end up becoming uh, board members for a, an acquisition company uh, because they were just such a great fit for that industry and provided so much value during the diligence process that the, the investor was like, look, we want your uh, your knowledge and your experience to reside on the board. Um, and in some in some minority cases, uh, people even uh, become candidates for executive roles once the acquisition is made to go help run the company. Okay, so um, we've got a few more minutes here left to go. Um, let's talk about – I don't want you necessarily to give out exact numbers because this – podcast will be evergreen and who knows what your pricing numbers will be in the future and people can always go and talk to you to get that but do you have a because a lot of this is fairly robust and it sounds like is it is are are you have a pricing module that is appropriate for individuals different Mm -hmm. for angel networks that might have you know more people asking questions sort of like a multi-user kind of a thing versus a firm or a corporate uh, account talk about how you you tailor your offerings um, for those different types of, of users? Yeah, sure. Happy to do it. So we've got a, a, a few different offerings. Uh, the most basic one is just an ad hoc model where people can create an account, uh, log in, search for the experts, um, and pay the expert for their time, uh, and then they just pay us per call. Uh, but as you can imagine, if you start doing a lot of calls, like if you're an angel group, uh, and you're doing a bunch of calls month over month, that adds up pretty quickly. So then we have a subscription model where you can uh, pay us a monthly subscription fee uh, and have access to the platform. And at that point, you just uh, uh, pay the experts you speak with. Um, and then we also have a model. Some of our bigger clients like to have some, some service. They don't want to uh, self-serve. Uh, and so we've got a model that's a higher subscription fee where we will dedicate a client service manager that can actually do some of the searching for you, take the investment memorandums that you're looking at and say, here's the experts I think you should talk to, uh, help with the scheduling. Um, and then in, in those models, we also have a contingent fee. So like I said, we don't want to pre-charge people a bunch of money uh, and then hope, you know, their hope, they've, they've already paid us a bunch of money. So the they're now just hoping to have good calls. So what we do is flip the model. We say, look, pay a, a low monthly subscription fee, and for the deals that we help you close, uh, we'll charge a small success fee um, so that the risk is on us to uh, make sure that the conversations are really good and really valuable, and if we win, uh, and if they win, we win. Uh, and so that, those are kind of the three different models that we have. Okay, so – Okay, I'm, uh, su- describe what you mean by success fee. Yeah, so talking- it's not uncommon in it's not uncommon in industry whether you're an accounting firm, uh, you're a, a valuation firm. Uh, you know, people see see a law firm. People see so many deals a year that those firms can't charge them maximum value on every single deal that comes through because you know. Statistically, like three to five percent of the deals are only going to get closed, uh, invested upon. And oh, so, you're talking about for like uh, referral fees. Yeah. So we're, well, basically, okay. what we're saying is on the deals. So you know, one of our value propositions is we will help you walk away from a lot of deals and avoid bad decisions. However, on the few deals, the two, three, four deals that you close a year, 
using our experts, then there's like a, a successful close fee on those deals because we helped uh, we helped you a avoid a ton of bad decisions and then find the small handful of really good decisions. Okay, so only but those are for the ones that sort of have a uh, annual engagement kind of a, of approach where they're using you, not trying it out. They're actually. Because yeah, I think you said early on, people can yeah. get started trying it out because you you believe that they're going to find value, so they're going to want to engage on a regular basis, particularly if they have any right. kind of consistent deal flow. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, very good. All right, so um, anything that you would like to add as uh, that we we maybe didn't cover? That's something that people should be aware of when they're thinking about due diligence and you know this is this is one component of it it's not all of due diligence because there is what i talked about right. early on lawyers and accountants and that kind of stuff doing background checks making sure yeah. the person's never committed fraud so there's not an sec bad actor <laughs> thing on them there's all that kind of stuff that's not what you do you're doing the other nope. stuff that's really hard to figure out and and get your hands around right Absolutely, yeah. We're we're getting into the operating components of the business, understanding, um, you know, how, how the projections, like the financial projections, match up to the company's ability to operate, uh, what Ooh, opportunities exist one. in the industry, all of that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, I think the only thing I would add from what we've spoken of is, you know, don't be afraid as an investor to admit you don't know everything about an industry or a niche. True. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's fine to be a generalist. Um, go find a specialist that can help you. And we just had this conversation. Actually, a client used the phrase, and I'm going to steal it because it's so good. He's, we were asking him, like, well, why are you using our platform? And he said, look, no one in my firm ever got fired for doing one more diligence call, for asking one more question. Uh, and it, only, it yeah. only cost me a few hundred dollars, but I could avoid a 10 to $50 million mistake, right? So I think wow, that's a great mentality. Yeah. No, yeah, so that's the only thing I would add. Yep, yep, that's a very good point to end on. So I want to thank everybody for tuning in to this and make sure you go uh, get on Inquire of. I-N-Q-U-I-R-E-O-V dot com to learn more. You can sign up for their blog and their emails. And um, they're also available on LinkedIn. You can follow the company there. And and so I want to do that. Thank you very much for getting on the show with me today and sharing this great new um, solution out there in the marketplace, Kyle. Yep, happy to do it. And I appreciate the opportunity to speak with you. It's been fun. Yeah. And I want to encourage folks to go to carerams.co. That's my website that everything kind of funnels into. I've I've gone to that now over all of my, my different brands of companies and whatnot. And uh, you can get access to my book there. There's some excerpts about the book. Uh, I'm working on a new book called Scale. There's um, all of my blogs and radio shows are there as well and a whole lot of other information. So, um And you can see the kind of services we offer to entrepreneurs and investors. And so with that, I want to say thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Please share this with people that you know will benefit from it. And onwards and upwards.